I really enjoy being on brand side because it just allows you to go a lot deeper. And I think also have a lot more influence over the direction of the company, which was important to me. Um, you know, influence, um, impact to the business, all of those things. Um, I think working brand side, you just have a, a greater ability to make an impact on the business overall. And so I was always kind of drawn more towards that versus just doing little things for a bunch of different businesses. What's up, TMH community? Welcome to another episode of the Marketing Careers Podcast presented by the marketinghelp.co. Thanks to our premier sponsor, LinkedIn Learning. Hard skills, uh, courses, and videos are curated just for you at themarketinghelp.co forward slash LinkedIn Learning. So definitely something you should be checking out. All right. So you heard in the opening, our guest, Rebecca Pollard, speak about the value that she's seen from her experience working brand side versus agency side. So definitely more on that in the episode. Now, Rebecca is the CMO at a pet industry startup called Great Pet, and she's worked at Petco. She's worked at Pet360. So she's got a pretty unique career journey uh, to this position as CMO. And in the episode, Rebecca is going to share her insights on how her network supported her transition from a marketing generalist to a CMO. And in this episode, also the value of working for a niche industry as part of your marketing career journey. Is that something you've considered? A lot of great tips that Rebecca shares. So let's check out my conversation with the CMO at Great Pet, Rebecca Pollard. And we're joined here today by pet industry marketer and CMO at Great Pet, Rebecca Pollard. Rebecca, welcome to the episode. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So let's start off by just, you know, tell us in a couple of sentences, what is Great Pet and and what's your role there? So um, I'm the chief chief marketing officer at Great Pets, and um, we are a bit of a, a holding company for a bunch of different businesses in the pet industry. So we've got a CBD company called The Anxious Pet. We have um, greatpetshop.com, which is a shop that is very curated by pet experts um, from the industry and really provides kind of real life experience with all the products that we're offering, which is great. And then we also have a publishing company called Great Pet Care and kind of tying all of the great pet things together there um, by providing as much um, content education to consumers as they need to be successful pet parents. Um, and then we also have a media agency as part of that as well. We've obviously got this great publishing um, company and sell media advertising against all of that and really help a lot of small pet startups um, get started in the industry and help them grow their businesses. So uh, a lot of different things kind of under one roof, but it makes it exciting and gives us a lot of different learnings uh, that we can apply to our own businesses as well. Very cool. So Great Pet has kind of established its own kind of self-contained unit of everything to you know, hit the pet parent at every stage of the funnel. Exactly. Nice. Okay. Um, so it's interesting, you know, we're going to get into more about the niche industry marketing roles that you've had, because, you know, something I was, I learned early on was uh, if you wanted to work in an industry that was recession proof, it was pets, babies, yep. or weddings, <laughs> um, which seemed like there's always demand for that, no matter what it is. So you picked a good industry here that, that has served you well over your career. So in this Career Moments episode, what I want to do is, is kind of start by just kind of unpacking where you've been, where you started, how you got into the marketing field. I mean, if we go all the way back, based on um, having known you and where you started, it was promotions for radio station is kind of how you got started. And then yeah. how'd you get into marketing from there? 
Yeah. Um, so I, I've worked yeah in a bunch of different industries early on throughout high school and college and kind of did a bunch of different odd jobs. So radio promotions was one. I worked in membership services for a YMCA for a while. Um, did some kind of like sales coordination for um, Yellow Pages type online companies. Um, so I learned a lot from those things. But my first real job was actually working for a company called Pet360. And I first got hired by them actually as a buyer on the product side of the business. Mm-hmm. So I learned a lot about, you know, managing pricing for products. Um, it was an e-com business um, that was for the pet industry. And that was kind of a new thing at that that point in time. You know, this is like 11, 12 years ago. So buying online um, was still kind of a new concept. And um, yeah, did a lot of things around pricing, margins, managing partnerships with manufacturers and distributors. and learned a lot about the pet industry in general through um, that. Um, but it was the the part about working with brands and manufacturers that started to get me interested in marketing because we did a lot of things around co-ops where um, basically they would give us marketing funds to market their products on our website. Right. And so I started to learn a lot about marketing through that. And that's really what got me interested in kind of moving over to the marketing side of the business. Um, so I, I had kind of, I ended up leaving Pet360 to go pursue some other things at that point in time. And then about a year later, ended up coming back and got hired as their affiliate marketing manager. So my career in marketing actually started on the affiliate marketing side, uh, which was really interesting because one, that was still kind of new at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, a new concept for the industry, still a lot of questions around how it worked, but essentially affiliate marketing for those of you who don't know is you pay, um, content websites to promote your products for you and you give them a commission based off of the revenue that you're generating. So it's really one of the most efficient marketing channels that you can use and was great for me to start my career in that area because I learned a ton about marketing efficiency and how, um, important partnerships are. And really that's coming back around. Now we'll talk about that a little bit later, but as advertising costs are starting to increase, partnership marketing and affiliate marketing is becoming more and more popular. So um, definitely just a great place for me to start. And it started to get me interested in other areas of the business too. So I did affiliate marketing. Then started working my way into other areas of the business. So, you know, shopping engines, paid search. Um, At the time, it was Google PLAs, which is now Google Shopping, Um, doing any kind of partnership marketing. I just started to kind of branch out from affiliate and take on more and more for the company that I was working for at the time. And that just got me exposure to a lot of different channels. Got it. So uh, a couple of things there. When uh, you started at pet 360 was it you dreamed of eventually working in the pet industry or you just found the role that happened to be at pet 360 yeah no i i can't say i always dreamed of being in the pet industry (laughs) um uh, uh, to your point like it is an amazing place to be um everybody you know it's a very a large group, but actually a small group of people, you know, everywhere you go, you know, you've met somebody you've met before. So it's a great industry to be in, but, um, it was actually just kind of down the street from my house. You know, I was looking for job opportunities and, um, that's kind of, I found it as a, I think I had been working at the YMCA at the time and I just needed like an assistant position, right. Because I had kind of built up this good resume. And so that's how I kind of got into pet 360 and part of the pet industry. And, uh, have come in and out throughout, but it's been kind of an 11 year journey now. Sure. So um, when I think about 
the the lesson here, I think, for those listening is, you know, because look at what it did for you, right? If you want to think about a way to career proof your agency and marketing, whether you wanted to be in pets or not in pets, you know, find the industry that you can call your own. I see it all the time with a lot of people we know in in pharmaceutical, e-commerce, yeah. sports. So, you know, finding that niche, you know, could be a way if you're thinking about career pathing, uh, could be a way to, to future proof and give you that expertise. Um, but again, pick an industry that is high demand. So pets, you couldn't go wrong. Now, yeah, you did mention you left and came back. So there was a boomerang there. Um, what was the, the situation that brought you back? Was it someone said, hey, come on back. We, we know you know the business. We have an opening. Or was it you pursuing, hey, I want to go back there because I missed it. And I, I want to get more exposure to marketing. Uh, that's a great question. I think, you know, it was one of those things where I I had gotten to a point on the buying side where I knew I was really interested in marketing. So I left to go pursue a marketing career because they didn't have a, an opening at the time. And so I'd gotten a little bit into um, working with an SEO agency and, um, uh, you know, honestly, this is the f- the first job I ever, the only job I ever had where I got fired was this one where I went to this SEO agency and my only role there was backlink building, right? And it Ooh. was just the most boring <laughs> thing ever. Um, I was super not into it. So that was a good lesson for me to learn that like, you know, backlinking and uh, SEO was probably not my field, although SEO is very important for people to understand and learn. Right. Um, so I learned a lot from that, um, which is, you know, that was not the, the right place for me to go. And so after, um, you know, leaving that job, getting let go from that job, I was kind of out there just exploring, figuring out what I wanted to do. I had actually not finished college at that point in time. So I went back to school, kind of took some part-time jobs. And then once I graduated um, from college is when I I decided to go back and and find something in the marketing industry. And I had um, kept up with all of my connections there and kept really good relationships. And so when they had an opening, it was just a good good timing and good fit. Right. Because I think a, a theme we're going to uh, touch on a little bit is, is the power of networking in your career and what it's done. Because yeah. even when you stepped away from the company to start, it's the network that got you back or kept you connected. Uh, and we'll touch on that in a little bit later about how that took you to where you are today. So Pet360, uh, then there's a health and wellness stop. And then uh, where we met at B2B SaaS company, was that, again, was that finding more experience in a different industry because you thought, hey, let me try something other than pets? Or was it finding more of a a challenge in that specific field of content marketing? Yeah, I think it was um, a a little bit of both, honestly. I I was looking for upward movement. Uh, I got to a point where I'd been a marketing manager for a long time in the same industry. And I'm a little bit of a person where like, you know, I really enjoy learning new things, but once I've learned it, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. And um, so, you know, I really wanted to continue to expand my knowledge, expand um, the opportunities I had for myself. And so, um, you know, went to the pharmaceutical industry, to your point, and thought to myself, you know, especially in Philadelphia, which is where I was living at the time, a pharmaceutical industry is huge there and thought it would be a great opportunity. But wasn't really interested in it after I got there, you know, kind of did it for six months and said, this isn't the right thing for me. And then ultimately that's what 
uh, led me to my job at Aweber where, where you and I met. And um, for that one, I think it was a lot of, okay, I've never done B2B before. Let's go explore that industry. I've never worked in SaaS. Let's go explore that industry and kind of figure out what I can learn about that and, and um, what I can take from it. Um, I had also done almost every area of marketing except email marketing. And um, Aweber obviously was an email marketing company. So I, I felt like that was a great opportunity to just continue learning more about marketing there as well, which definitely um, has helped me long-term in my career. Right. Because I mean, I think my perspective on hiring, which is why I think you were such a good fit for the role was because you didn't know B2B SaaS. And, uh, but you did have understanding of all the channels, which is what the role required. So anyone listening that thinks you have to be an expert in the field before you get a job in that field, uh-uh. Uh, if, yeah. you can, if you can showcase that you know how to manage the channels that are in front of you, learning in industry is the easy thing. Um, yeah. But the other learning, just as you were saying, this transition is that how many of us out there, you know, are afraid to say, you know what, this isn't a fit for me. It's only been six months. Let me just stay here and be miserable for another year where you had the gumption to basically say, no, you know what? No, it's not working. Yeah. I'm, I'm leaving after six months. And Look at what happened, right? It isn't a blemish on your career. It's actually a learning experience that led you to the next opportunity that led you to the next opportunity. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's great to point out is that, listen, if you're in, a, if you're in that role and it is going nowhere uh, and it's been three months, four months, five months, listen, when it isn't a fit, it isn't a fit. Uh, no harm, no foul is, is my perspective. So after A. Weber, California comes calling, <laughs> you have an opportunity that, again, it taps into your pet experience. So the investment you made in that industry paid off because an opportunity arose and you said, Hey, uh, I'm all in. Let me check this out. So what, what took you out West? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think a couple of things that, you know, I, I like to talk about my experience at Aweber a lot, actually, because I not only learned a new industry and was able to kind of apply all the things I learned to a more generalized role, but I learned a ton about leadership at Aweber as well and, and really credit you and um, our HR leader there, Hope Bear, for that Um I think it's really important if I had to give advice to somebody on something to make sure you really go out and learn and put a lot of time into is learning those soft leadership skills. And um, it was incredible to have a company focus on that so much and, and really prioritize it for us as a team. And that everything that I learned there, I have continued to use in every single role since then. So I say that because it really did prepare me for what I felt like became the next level of my career. Mm -hmm. um, to that point, you know, right before I got to Aweber, like I said, I had basically learned all the marketing channels. I had done a little bit in, in each channel and learned enough to become more of a general marketer and, and start to move more into strategy. And so at Aweber, I was able to kind of apply all the learnings from all the channels and start to develop campaign strategy, which was really fun for us. We had a lot of fun doing that, but then also layer in those leadership skills mm -hmm. and the combination of both of those things made me feel like I was ready for you know, for me, what was moving on to a larger corporation and figuring out how I can take everything I had learned from more like small to medium sized businesses and apply that at a larger corporation. So Petco came calling, uh, Petco headquarters. Um, I actually, uh, you know, to your point about networking, my previous CEO, Brock Weatherup from Petco, 
360 ended up, um, one, one of the things from Pet 360 is that we sold our company to Pet Smart at the time. Um, and so after we had kind of made that sale, a lot of us ended up moving on. That was another reason why, you know, some of us went towards other careers. Um, Brock went on to become the CEO of another company called Pet Coach, which was a partner of ours at Pet360. And he built that business up and sold that to Petco. So sold two businesses to two major, really the only major uh, independent pet companies in the industry. Um, And so when he moved out to San Diego to become head of digital and innovation, he kind of recruited me out to be part of the innovation team. So uh, yeah, California came calling to your point. Um, It was a really big decision for us. You know, I'd been in Philadelphia for 15 years at that point and um, had met my husband, had started our family. So a really big uh, jump for us to make, but it ended up being the right thing. And and we are, you know, incredibly happy to be living here in California now. And, um, you know, Petco, my career there, essentially did a year on the innovation team where we kind of stood up stores of the future, if you will. And then I moved on to be part of the marketing strategy team at Petco, um, working on their grooming and training businesses. And, for those of you who have seen the new health and wellness positioning from Petco that's really just started to come out, the new commercials, I kind of wrote the brief on all of that. So <laughs> nice. um, I didn't I didn't see it all the way through, but uh, it's it's fun to kind of see that in market now and know that I had a little piece of, of uh, getting that created and, and inspiring the vision towards it. So nice. uh, that was a really great, great career move and um, a ton of great learnings from that, I think. For me, the the biggest takeaway from my career at, at Petco was really understanding my values. Um, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. For those of you who haven't read her, I've really read all of her books and recommend her to everyone. But one of the biggest takeaways I've had from reading her books is really understanding your personal values and what's important to you and your personal growth. And as I mentioned, you know, I felt like I had really established um, myself being ready to move into a new part of my career. And then once I got to Petco, it really challenged for me what was important to me um, and in my career and, and how I wanted to continue growing. And for me, you know, it's personal and professional growth. It's leadership. Um, as I talked about what I learned at Aweber, you know, leadership is incredibly important and working for a company that prioritizes that is incredibly important. And then the other thing for me is trust. And um, that's a really big one because if if I f- feel any kind of sense of distrust amongst people I'm working with, I tend to shut down a little bit. And mm. so, you know, finding a team that I could really trust and, and continue to grow and build with was really important. And that's kind of what led me back to um, what is now Great Pet and is actually the same team that I worked with at Pet360 10, 11 years ago, which has been really fun to kind of come back around to that group. Um, you know, we've built companies before in the past and, and now are continuing to do so with Great Pet and, and really just sending out lots of different things and innovating. So it's been a, a, a lot of fun. And I think that's, um, it, it's unique in the sense that uh, that group has stayed together over all these years uh, in that industry. But I think there's maybe others listening that that have you know, maybe a, a microcosm of that with a smaller group of people that have, have have kind of rejoined each other at a different agency, let's say, or different positions. Uh, but again, underscoring the importance of having a strong network uh, so that when you join a company, you're in that marketing team. I had this conversation with a friend of mine uh, a couple of months ago about 
kind of doing a where are they now, right? Think about the where are they now from the person that you just started with in your marketing position and look at where they are now. And you probably know more directors, VPs, CEOs, CMOs than you think you do uh, because you all went through that journey together. So I think that's great. Um, Question on the two questions. One is, what was the one leadership skill or learning that you took from AWeber that was so powerful for you? Oh, that's a really hard question to answer <laughs> because there's so many. Um, well, a couple or a of concept things. or a do and don't or concept. Yeah, or yeah. Well, let me let me mention a couple of things. So I think number one most important thing that I that I learned and practiced at AWeber that has continued to help me is how to have hard conversations. Yeah. Um, that's incredibly important in your career development and. Um, the word practice is really important because I think you and hope both, both of you really encouraged all of us as a team to practice hard conversations, which is something that takes guts, right. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, you have to kind of prepare for it. Um, but once you start to do it, it just increases your ability to do it more and more and more, and then it becomes easier and easier. Um, and you figure out the right ways to approach situations that could, could have been hard for you in the past. So, um, that has definitely been incredibly important. And then, um, you know, two things that we did at AWeber that I continue to do with my teams today. So the four apartment rooms exercise nice, is yes. one of my favorites. Um, I've continued that on for those of you who don't know it, look it up. <laughs> you can actually get certified in it now. So nice. um, that's kind of cool. So I do that with my team and that helps me just understand where everyone is from a week to week basis and, yep. and how we can all support each other, which was um, definitely helpful. And then the second one is the accountability cycle and understanding what makes people accountable to something and what they need to know personally before they can be accountable to something. So, you know, understanding that something is their responsibility, allowing them to feel empowered to get it done, um, and then having really clear expectations all lead to accountable teams. And so I actually just went through that with my team this past week. Um, just to make sure that, you know, they have something that they feel comfortable they can use to come back to me to say, I'm not clear on the expectations around this, or I'm not clear on whether or not this is my responsibility. And I think it just allows for that trusting relationship and, um, you know, gives the team the ability to come ask questions as frequently as they need to. Exactly. Open so, communication. Yeah. Well done. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, so, so did you ever, I guess in, in the last couple of stops, maybe it was, um, as you were considering the new positions that you, you were taking after pet 360, did you ever consider going back to an agency after that SEO debacle, uh, backlink project? Did you ever think about giving agencies another shot? Uh, not really. Um, you know, (laughs) part of it, there was part of me that said that I needed to, like yeah. it really, Rebecca, if you, if you want to continue growing your, in your career, you should probably go work for an agency. And so I had those internal conversations with myself, but I really enjoy being on brand side because it just allows you to go a lot deeper. And I yep. think also have a lot more influence over the direction of the company, which was important to me, um, you know, influence, um, impact to the business, all of those things. 
Um, I think working brand side, you just have a, a greater ability to make an impact on the business overall. And so I was always kind of drawn more towards that versus just doing little things for a bunch of different businesses. I like it. So I'll, I'll carry on that because I was going to ask you when it comes to brand side marketing rules, which you had a lot of, you, you kind of hit on the, the best thing, which is control over the impact. But what's the worst thing? Because again, every, every I talk to a lot of members and a lot of clients that, that want to know, should I go agency? Should I go client? We all know there's pros and cons, but from your experience, because you have a lot of it, what's the, what's the, the thing you like least about working brand side? Uh, Great question. Um, <laughs> it's probably different at every company. I sure. think, um, you know, you're highly accountable to the numbers, right? And so that's a good and bad thing. You know, one of the most important things to understand is just your metrics and the why behind um, what your what the goals are that have been set for you. And so you know, for me, in, in some of the businesses that I've worked for, it's top line revenue. And then the question becomes, well, do I have the support that I need in order to hit those top line revenue metrics? And, and that's definitely a challenge at times. And then in other businesses I work for, it's been profitability. And so you have to make some of those hard decisions around, well, should we go spend? It's not going to lead to a ton of growth, but it is going to lead to higher profitability for the business. And those are some of the, the hard conversations you have to have and challenging decisions that you have to make in order to achieve the goals for the business. So, okay. um, you know, I, I think is there's also, you know, for me, going back to my values, if you don't have trust, you can't be successful. And so I think that's going to exist in any business, but on the brand side, especially, you know, you've got to make sure that you trust all levels of leadership to achieve um, the goals that are in front of you, but also the personal goals that you have for yourself. Got it. Yeah. Uh, agree. <laughs> I mean, we remember those uh, brand side conversations about the numbers and loving the numbers. I mean, I've heard, I've heard uh, other folks describe brand side marketing positions, the, 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 the cons could be, you know, you have management that doesn't understand marketing. So you're kind of minus mm -hmm. one to begin with, but I don't think you have that situation. Or yeah. it's the the X factors where you cannot control. Um, think about it. You have a you have a, a marketing team that's in, in charge of promoting the product or the service. But if you don't have a good product or service, mm. uh, then you're kind of hamstrung and you feel like you have so much to give as a marketer. But ah, if we could just improve this product in some way, shape or form. So that dynamic could be, you know, kind of hamstringing the marketers that really want to get out there and do the thing. But if you don't have that good product or service, you're kind of, uh, um, but anyway, that's, that's brand side. So now when we think about the roles that you had and we talked about network being a big thing for you. Do you have any tips or tricks for those that are, you know, thinking about again, navigating their career, whether they're mid stage, early stage, late stage, uh, what's your tip for finding, because you, you, you clearly have found some roles that were learning experiences, but also ones that were home runs. Any, you know, when it comes to job searching tips and tricks for anybody out there? Um, that's a great question. I mean, I think uh, for me, it was always, you know, explore what's out there and available and don't, I didn't want to cut myself off to the possibility of anything. Um you know, networking obviously is a huge part of it, but I wouldn't say I, I've networked my way into every single role I've gotten. Some of the time it's just been 
um, being very qualified for the job that I've been applying for or the job I've gotten, um, or being able to tell the story of, even if I don't have the qualifications, how I'm willing to learn into it and grow into it. Um, you know, I think personally, my ability to always be willing to take on new things and ask the right questions has what, and it has inevitably made me successful in taking on things that I don't already know because mm-hmm. I just walk into the role and ask the right questions and, um, you know, go Google things online to figure it out and, and ultimately uh, end up figuring it out. So uh, I think what's important to remember about marketing roles too is that everyone who is in any position in marketing has tested and learned into the role, right? Um, Or into the thing that they need to know. Um, Especially when you think about the paid media side and digital is like you test and learn. Every person who's out there talking about the things that they know, they had to test and learn into it. And so you have the ability to go into any role right now and test and learn your way into what the right results are and and then be able to use that as expertise that you share with other people. So... um, you know, from a networking perspective, I, I look at it in a few different ways. I just being very honest, I'm not the best at keeping in touch with people. Um, but I think LinkedIn has obviously helped with that a lot. And in just uh, being able to have conversations with people at, at odd odd times, random times, and, and being able to encourage people as they're on their journeys as well. So that's definitely a great tool to just jump in there on a regular basis and give words of encouragement to whoever's out there trying and doing new things. Um, I've also, you know, I do establish mentors for myself that I keep in touch with regularly and get advice from. And then I also have accountability partners that I, um, I work with like on a regular basis just to be able to vent, but also help me find solutions to things. And I think all of those things just help me stay in touch with lots of different people, um, but also give purpose to those touch bases as well. I like it. And I'm going to come back to that in in the second half of this conversation about that mentor council that you have there. Um, But but when I think about what, it's funny you said that about, you said you're not good at keeping up with people. When I think about what stood out to me when you were pursuing the role of Day Weber was that you were per- very persistent in following up. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think you interviewed for one role and then didn't get it, but came back for the, for the next role that we opened up. And again, you were persistent and reminded us that you'd already applied. So that made it easier to get uh, recognized in the system. So I think persistence from my perspective has been something that has helped you uh, at least get the Gay Weber job. So yeah. Um, you know, definitely something to keep in mind as you're going through anyone out there going through any stage of their job search, uh, process is just, you gotta be persistent. You gotta stay top of mind. There's a lot of things competing for the attention of those hiring managers. Um, last question here. So when you think about from where you started to where you are now, you talked about the backlink learning experience, but aside from that one, what is, what is the, the most monumental, I'll call it learning you have in your career so far? I'll say mistake, but I won't call it a mistake. I'll call it a learning experience. (laughs) Um, Let's see. I think, you know, what I learned at Petco um, was a big one for me. Um, You know, 
I did a lot of work there. You know, it started out more on the innovation side and, you know, we were creating something that it had not been created before in the pet industry and we were really excited about it. And then it was kind of, it ended up being kind of a big disappointment because it didn't work out, which was right. fine. Um, but, you know, hence what led me to working more on the strategy side. And I had a ton of great things that I learned working on that strategy team, but going back to the values for me, um, when I left that job, you know, I had actually interviewed for director roles um, within that job twice. And everyone I interviewed with said that I was ready and I was qualified to be a director, but there was never a right director role that seemed to fit with what what my skills were and what they were looking for. So while I was qualified and ready to move up to the next level, it, you know, it just, the timing didn't seem to fit or the role didn't seem to fit. And so those um, ended up being big disappointments for me. And I, I walked away from that role feeling a little bit like a failure, but as I've reflected on it and um, you know, again, part of it for me was I had felt like I was ready to go to a bigger corporation. You know, that was, what I had been aspiring to do. And, um, I had worked in small businesses. I had worked in medium sized businesses and I was ready to, you know, go to the big corporate level and, and continue to achieve there. And I, I definitely grappled a little bit with the fact that it didn't work out, that I, I didn't feel like I was successful there. Um, despite, you know, putting up some good numbers for the businesses I was working on, I, I felt like I had to walk away because it wasn't a good fit for me. And that was a little bit of a failure moment. But again, as I reflected, it goes back to understanding my values and just understanding that it was okay to shift the expectations I had for myself um, and uh, shift those because my, my values were different than what they could offer me. Right. And so, you know, definitely I've come to terms with that since leaving, but it, it was definitely a, a big aha moment for me in understanding who I am and what I want in life and what I want in my career and, and making sure all those things align to the role that I'm working in. I like it. Cause I think what you're reflecting on there is what a lot of marketing managers uh, grapple with, like, struggle with it, It's because when you get to that management layer and you, you're qualified, right? You, you've been there, done that for all those channels and, the, and you've picked up some of those leadership skills that are important. Then it's like, okay, getting from manager to director may feel like such a, such a, a burdensome track unless you have, you know, certain things fall your way, but uh, it is a, is it a trying time being at that manager level. And I'm sure marketing managers listening can, can, can relate to trying to find that next opportunity because listen, when you're at that stage, nobody wants to be a marketing manager forever uh, because think about it, more responsibilities can help you achieve whatever the goals are, whether it's director or CMO or CEO. Yeah. Um, so good reflection there. Good stuff. So, um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back and get into more day in the life, uh, for your role at great pet. Love it. Now this episode of the marketing careers podcast is sponsored by HRF's webmaster tools. Now as marketers, we know that knowledge is power when it comes to finding ways to, to grow your business. And every marketer has their favorite tool to get that intelligence, to get the insight, but it often comes with that hefty uh, or confusing pricing model. Now, if you're a marketer, you've heard of the tool, the SEO tool, Ahrefs, right? But you, did you know that they now offer access to their main site research products for free? All you need to do is go to hrefs.com slash AWT, and you can access all the power of their site audit and site explorer tools for nothing, for free. So... 
Uh, there's even a great walkthrough video when you get there. I'll walk you through and tell you how to get started in, in minutes. Now, listen, this tool goes way beyond what you can get in Google Search Console, and you're unlocking insights for your site that will help you be successful, be more competitive. And listen, the Ahrefs Webmaster Tools aren't just for the SEO team, right? So the content marketing team are going to use this tool to find the right trending topics, key terms, understand how to drive more traffic of the right traffic to your web content. Social media teams can identify which content is actually getting the most earned media and engagement. So, hey, the marketing manager, right? It's time to empower your teams. Let them start making more strategic decisions with Ahrefs for free. And remember, listen, Ahrefs, you don't have to be an SEO pro to rank higher and get more of the right traffic. So get started right now at ahrefs.com forward slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Now let's get back to the episode. And Rebecca, here's what we want to do now. Day in the life. What does the average work week look like for you, head of marketing at a startup? Uh, so you have a lot of things that are moving. You have a lot of businesses that you're you're overseeing. You know, break down your week for us. What does it look like? Oh, oh man, it's uh, there's always something different every day. Um, and I think uh, I think the biggest challenge for me and the teams that I work with, really the entire business, is how we prioritize all the different things that we're working on. So I think it definitely starts at the beginning of the week with figuring out how to prioritize all the things we've got going on and um, what's going to make the biggest impact to revenue on a weekly basis. So, you know, that's kind of how we tend to kick off the week. Um, Definitely looking at reporting every week. Uh, So while I am CMO of the business, I also oversee all of our e-commerce businesses. Um, And so responsible for making sure we've got all of our numbers, um, hitting our goals, establishing the goals. Um, so a, a big part of my role comes into play with forecasting, doing modeling, figuring out where we're going to spend money. Um, and, uh, you know, I spend a lot of my time just evaluating whether the things that we set out to do are working and how we're going to pivot if they're not working. Um, so a, a lot of my week to week is just kind of evaluating the numbers that are coming in and figuring out if the strategy is working and, and how we want to pivot if it's not. Um, so that's definitely a really important part of the role. Um, I do a lot of different stuff. You know, it, there's anything from, uh, you know, we're a startup, so we've got, you know, we're, we're fairly um, nice sized business. I've got about um, four to five different people who work on marketing things, but we also have a, a fully established content marketing team who is obviously managing our, our publishing site. And then we've got um, paid media marketers, social uh, social media marketers. Uh, we actually run Dogs of Instagram, which has 5 million followers. And and that is a, a quite an undertaking to manage that channel. So do a lot there. Influencer marketing is big for us. Um, so really just looking at all the different channels, all the pieces we've got going on and, and figuring out how everything is working together and, and that we've got the right strategies in place. Um, so that kind of kicks off my week. Reporting, strategy, figuring out if there's anywhere where we need to pivot, um, I think accountability to um, making sure we're executing in a great way is also a big part of, of my role and how I work with the team. And so, you know, we've done a lot of work on establishing processes, especially, you know, in a startup environment, um, 
when we started the company, there was nothing, right? We, yeah. we didn't have any processes. We didn't have any, any rules we had to follow. So a lot of my job too, is just working with the team to establish some of that, to make all of the things that we're juggling easier for us on a weekly basis. Um, uh, so doing a lot there. And then, uh, you know, there's a lot of last minute things that we come up with and ideas. Um, that's the great part of being a startup is we can pivot at any time and come up with new ideas and go act on them very quickly. But it also is a disruption to all the other things we've got going on when we choose to do that. And and so figuring out how we kind of handle some of those last minute things and uh, get them into the mix as quickly as possible. Now, of all the things that you're doing on a weekly basis, the thing you enjoy the most, can't can't wait to do it because you enjoy it so much is what? Uh, um, well, I was joking with someone the other day. Uh, for some reason, I just really enjoy forecasting, uh, nice. which is good because I have to do it a lot. Um, yeah. I'm not necessarily a math whiz, but I like putting the numbers together and and modeling and, and figuring out what's going to lead us to the, the highest return. Um, in our business right now, we definitely um, focus more on profitability. And so again, a lot of hard conversations that have to happen there, but the modeling helps us predict, um, you know, what's going to be the best thing for us to invest our money in. And uh, we spend a lot of time uh, kind of working through those numbers. Um, lifetime value is, is one of our most important metrics that we focus on. And so we use an app called Lifetimely um, mm. to, to really look at our different cohorts and LTV of, of different channels, LTV of coupon codes that are getting used. You know, we um, really look at that. And, and that number helps us establish how much we're willing to spend to acquire customers, which then leads us to what our strategic uh, directions are. So um, that's, you know, I, I just love kind of working on the numbers and the forecasting and, and figuring out uh, what's going to lead us to success long term, which has been fun. Which, which is uh, a great thing to like to do if you're in ahead of a marketing position. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's good good to know. Now, you, you mentioned <laughs> that tool, Lifetimely, I think you said, you know, given your position, right? A lot of moving things, you know, from a, from a overseeing all the marketing departments. Is there another tool you can't live without as it relates to running marketing for a startup? Um, no, uh, we use a lot of Google sheets and Google docs. Uh, I think, you know, when you look back at, at how far, uh, Google documents have come, it's actually pretty amazing. You know, our team thrives on, on being able to, um, share as much data as possible with each other and let everybody jump in to contribute and collaborate on things. So, uh, we definitely use that. And then we do use Trello to manage our creative queue. So any kind of, uh, creative jobs that we have, we, are leveraging Trello right now to kind of manage that workflow and assign jobs out to different people, which has been great. Got it. So, so as a, as a marketing lead CMO for a company that is focused on a specific niche, the pet industry, how much time are you spending with your customers or how much time do you dedicate to understanding customer feedback? That's a great question. Um, we, we're not at a volume right now where we're getting a ton of uh, customer feedback through our customer service team. So we do leverage that a little bit. 
Um, the fact that we are really big in social media has actually been a huge um, leverage point for us. So dogs of Instagram, you know, with 5 million followers, we can essentially go on there and ask any question that we want and get an immediate answer, which has been really cool for us to use and leverage and help uh, drive our strategy. So um, we actually leverage Instagram a lot to just get quick answers from people and, and help us determine um, new things that we can be trying, uh, which has been really fun. Um, I would say, you know, from a e-com perspective, um, we don't do a ton right now with gathering, um, customer feedback. Um, but again, like, you know, we're using that social media area to help us determine the types of things that people want to see. And we've actually integrated a lot more with reviews and user-generated content into our experiences so that the consumer themselves can get real-time um, feedback on products that we're selling, which has been really helpful for us. So um, yeah, it's a great question though. I mean, I think it's something that we will need to do a lot more of moving forward and as we scale our businesses, um, but still a little bit on the smaller side for us. And the advantage there, like you said, is you have such a thriving social media community because of the pet parent industry in demand. Uh, hey, why not? Right. I'm sure it's a it's a it's a thriving uh, feed. So yeah, you, you can just go in there and get the responses that most brands dream of, um, yeah. which is interesting. So let me geek out for a second, just because we've dealt with this conversation before. Um, as a marketing lead, you have a brand, great pet, great pet. Will you buy the brand name in paid search? Great question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, uh, I, I would say if there are competitors bidding on your brand term, yes. My answer is if you have competition on your brand term, then yes, you should be buying it so that you can control the message that's getting seen by the consumer. Um, you know, we are a team that focuses a ton on SEO as well. So we definitely leverage SEO as much as possible to get that top ranking. Um, but, you know, when you've got people like Chewy who are trying to yeah. outbid on any term that they can, we want to at least make sure that we're getting the right message in front of the consumer at the right time. And, and so we do bid on our brand terms right now. Um, it's actually interesting that you mentioned that because we're in the process of shutting down one of our sites and... Um, our brand term produces a ton of volume for us. And so we're also bidding on the brand term that we're shutting down so that we can move people over as much as possible as well. So there's definitely different ways that you can leverage your brand terms. Um, but I think making sure that you're optimizing for SEO. So you're showing up in that first organic listing is really important. And then if you have a lot of competition on top of that, I would recommend bidding on it. I just had to ask. I had to geek out yeah. on that. Um, <laughs> it's a great question. It's highly debated. Yes. So uh, I wonder what Garrett would say. Um, so, <laughs> so so let's zoom back out a little bit here, You know, have a good sense for what it's like to work in that startup, uh, running the marketing department. Um, so when it comes to, you mentioned a team, right? You have a team that you're working with, a couple of direct reports. Um, think back to your experience interviewing for marketing positions, not just for those that you've hired, but for when you were interviewing yourself, and again, you know, I ask this of every uh, guest in the career moments because everyone has a, a unique perspective. But again, everyone also has the same recommendations. Just trying to empower those that are about to prepare for that market interview. Listen to those that have been there and done that. Uh, what advice do you give? Uh, but let me ask it this way: the best interview experience you had uh, as I'll say the hiring manager 
describe that candidate for us. What did they do that made it such a great experience for you as the hiring manager? Um, I think, you know, the, the best experiences I've had are people who have done a lot of research on the company. Um, and, and really understand what we're all about. They have come prepared with ideas that they would implement right away at the company if they were to get hired, which is um, incredibly helpful. And they also have proof points for how they've been successful in their roles in the past, especially from a data perspective. You know, any kind of, you know, I increased revenue by 20% or I was able to increase uh, lead generation by 15%, you know, as much data as you can give on the impact that you've made to the core business KPIs, that's going to be incredibly valuable for the person at the other side of the table to understand how you've made an impact to the company that that you currently work for or have worked for in the past. Um, so yeah, be prepared, understand the company, um, you know, bring examples of what you've done in the past and also have ideas for things that you can do at the company if you were hired. Again, I go back to your interview, and I believe you may have been one of the only candidates that actually asked the question about my LinkedIn profile, um, <laughs> which again, seems so odd because everything is so public. The information is out there. And with all the tools that exist, you can learn so much about a website uh, for a business or a client uh, that it just pains me to see when when you know people say, I don't have any questions. Now, flip that yeah. to go to like the biggest cringeworthy experience you've had whether it was you or someone you're interviewing, that is almost the cautionary tale for anybody else, any other marketer out there. Yeah, I think um, just lack of preparation is a big one, right? You can obviously tell when someone walks into a room and they don't know anything about the company, right? <laughs> because they're like, oh, can you tell me what this role is? And it's kind of like, well, you probably should have read a lot more about that and understood who we are before you got here. Um, so definitely it, it shows how interested you are in the company that you're working for as well. And, and um, it's important for someone to walk in the room and feel passionate about really wanting to work for the company. I don't want to hire someone who's not going to be excited to work here, right? So uh, definitely um, being prepared and, and understanding is, is going to be, understanding the company values too is going to be important. Um, cringeworthy moments, I think, um, you know, uh, I've had people who just overshare a little bit as well. You know, I, I had a girl once tell me like that there was like a warrant out for her boyfriend or something and related to their, their child. And I was like, you probably, you know, just shouldn't be telling me this in an interview, you know, right, right. all things uh, good to take into consideration and, and certainly don't want to not hire anyone for any information that they've shared with you, but um, it, it will certainly give a bias if you're oversharing a little bit too much. So Great point. Um, yeah. that's a, a good thing to, you know, maybe make a list of things not to say is <laughs> a good, good thing to, uh, to plan out as well. Tra transparency is good, but not that much transparency. Yeah. I mean, I'm an oversharer myself to be honest, but um, you know, there's, there's just uh, some uh, street knowledge there that you should know, you know, what you should and shouldn't say. Got it. So um, you mentioned earlier about how you had a a, uh, a group of mentors that you consult with. And we we call that the marketing help, we call it our, the career council, right? Everyone should have their marketing career council, which should include or could include, you know, a colleague, a friend, a former manager, uh, someone who's, you know, in the role that you want eventually. Maybe it's a business owner, could be industry 
uh, expert. Who makes up when you're referencing that group? Who are they? Are they are they those folks, or is it um, you know some other combination? Yeah, um, my my career council has definitely changed over time, um, and and like I said, I'm not the greatest at, at keeping in touch with people, but there are definitely people that I know I can go to at any time if I'm struggling, and and um, you know those tend to be the people that I respect and trust the most to give me advice in in the moments that I'm in. Right, there's certainly been plenty of times when I've struggled in my career and um, have lacked self confidence, and just being able to go to those people and say. Hey, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm experiencing. It's been really invaluable to just helping to to boost me and and figure out my next steps. So, a couple of people for me, you know, um, the person that I currently report into, Brock Weatherup, who's the CEO of Great Pet. Um, he's definitely been a mentor for me over many years, and um, obviously he trusts me as well, or else he wouldn't have hired me, you know, at this point four times. So uh, <laughs> that's been invaluable to my career development, but also is just somebody that I trust to give me advice on on how I need to think about my leadership development and my career development and. Um, gives me very honest feedback and advice on on what I need to work on next, um, which has been really great and and super helpful. I also have an accountability partner who um, I meet with once a week, and it's someone that I met when I was working actually at Petco, and mm-hmm. um, we have coffee. Coffee, you know, it used to be coffee in person. Now it's virtual coffee, but once a week we do that, and that's more of a moment for both of us to just kind of let it all out, like any frustrations, anything going on, just kind of let it all out. But then also we help each other with the solutions, right? Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm experiencing. It's so frustrating. Ugh, I wish this wasn't happening. And then, okay, here's now what I'm going to do about it. And it's great to have that person as well that um, really just lets me kind of unleash, but also helps me kind of rein it back in and figure out my next steps. Um, which, you know, for me being very solutions oriented and forward thinking is incredibly important, but it's also understandable and and only human to have frustrations as well. And so being able to recognize that, but then also figure out how to move on from it is incredibly important. And my accountability partner helps me with that every single week, which has been great. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because you're right. I mean, there's gotta be an outlet. And not just, I mean, sometimes an outlet just to, to vent and unload is great, but to have it come with perspective from someone, like you said, trust is a big thing for you to have it come back to you with some feedback and some direction from, from a, from a place of trust makes it even that much easier every week to, I'm sure not like every week you're unloading and it's, you know, there's always something, but again, to have that option to know that every week, if I need to release and get something on the table for dissection and diagnose then to have that there, I think that's a, that's that's great advice for anybody out there who may feel a little bit stuck or they feel like you're holding a lot of stuff in, you don't know who to go to, uh, just pick somebody. And that way you can have a, a place for for releasing, but also getting feedback. Yeah. Love it. Um, so when you think back of everything you've done to date, because you have a lot more to do with Great Pet, um, what would be the most impactful marketing career moment for you, would you say? Um, hmm. uh, great question. Um, there are so many, I, I think, uh, I, I don't know if you're going to be surprised to hear this, but 
my time at Aweber for me was a, a career changing moment for me. And so, and because of everything I talked about from a leadership perspective, you know, mm-hmm. it was again, the moment in time where I started to bring all of my skills together in becoming more of a marketing journalist and starting to pivot into strategy, which has led me down the path of being able to become more of the CMO role. Um, But also from a leadership perspective, just I I had already had a ton of experience and um, interest in leadership coming into my role at Aweber. Um, But the fact that I had you and hope to really invest time in nurturing that in me was really incredible for me and um, has has really changed my perspective on how I want to be a leader in the future and and the things that I focus on as I'm developing my team as well. And again, so, I think, yeah. and I think you reflect on a lot of things uh, at that moment that others can align with, which is managers and leaders, two different things. And a lot of times people mistake them to be the same thing and they are not. So to be a good manager, you know, in your marketing position, that's great. But like you said, everyone should have that or seek to have that opportunity in a position where it's going to push you outside of uh, the hard skills into the human skills and the soft skills to better be able to manage all the fun things you had to manage, hiring people, firing people, hard conversations, um, you know, uh, letting go of vendors, uh, all those things that you know, when people say they want to be a manager, they don't anticipate. But I mean, listen, I agree. It was it was transformational for myself as well to get that leadership experience. But how many people are in positions where companies or management don't even consider that? Right. Uh, yeah. So, or 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 they they say they value it, but on a day-to-day basis, aren't nurturing it, right? There's a really big difference in having values at a corporate level that speak to that and having values on a day-to-day basis that really um, nurture and encourage the behavior to occur. Mm -hmm. Um, And in some cases, you know, you may have values at at the the top of the corporate structure, but they aren't reflected in the day-to-day. And for me, that was always a huge point of differentiation in, in the company that I'm choosing to work for. So right, right, um, incredibly important. Yeah. So, so beware or be mindful if you're finding that marketing position at the big corporation, because uh, the culture may look nice on the website, but try to get a sense for how it is interwoven into the every day uh, for your position. Great stuff. Absolutely. So Rebecca, where can our audience connect with you if they have other questions about the pet industry, maybe working for Great Pet or just (laughs) talking more about kind of your journey uh, in your marketing career? Yeah. um, So you can obviously hit me up on LinkedIn, Rebecca Pollard. Um, Find me there. Um, Also, feel free to send me an email at Rebecca at GreatPet.com. Um, and, uh, that'll, that'll come right to my inbox and happy to interact with anyone who's looking for advice or looking for a mentor. Um, I think it's important for everyone to have mentors and accountability partners out there for them to talk to. So happy to start to nurture those relationships as well. Awesome. Appreciate it. I'll, I'll include links to those in the show notes. Uh, Rebecca, thank you so much for your time and Absolutely. Uh, luck, thanks for having me. Best of luck with all things going on at Great Pet. Thanks, Eric. Good to talk to you. All right. Big thank you to Rebecca for joining us on today's episode. Great insights, great perspectives. Uh, Really enjoyed her tips on the marketing interview. Uh, Talked about do your research, bring some ideas, talk about your impact. Pretty straightforward stuff there if you want to ace your marketing interview. 
Another takeaway I heard was the value that she created uh, by establishing her own career council, uh, mentors, accountability coaches. Have you created your council yet? Think about it. Now check the show notes for ways to connect with Rebecca. She is definitely someone to have in your network. She's always looking to help marketers any way she can. Now, if you're currently preparing for your next marketing job search or you need help with your marketing interview prep, uh, there's a couple new self-paced courses and small cohort workshops that we launched here at The Marketing Help. So check them out at themarketinghelp.co forward slash courses. There's no need to struggle when you start navigating the marketing job search process because I can tell you right now there's a ton of opportunity out there. Let us help you do it the right way. Let us help you be more efficient. So check out themarketinghelp.co forward slash courses. And again, this is your host, Eric Harbison, reminding you what action can you take today to advance your marketing career?